And now, a pre-show blooper. No, it's just it's just whichever car goes far, like the the paper airplane contest, uh-huh. you know? but whichever one goes farthest is the winner. Okay, okay so of, he's gonna, three tries, he's going to throw the car. Okay. They're all the three, representing goes the car going into the Grand Canyon. Okay. It's just whichever now, one. The only reason he so every both every cars the represent other car just Thelma represents Thelma. I was yes. had I did I if I had three cars, so well, one car sorry. always represents Gina Davis. No, so one car every time. Both cars hey. represent one of our. No, no car. Stop saying car. Hang on, hang on, hang on. God damn it! Did you understand? What yes, and if on? both of you would stop explaining it wrongly to each other, because you're. I'm just saying. <laughs> not enough fear. If there was a third car, it would be oh, three individual cars. But there's not. There's two, and so I'm just pushing them both. Okay. Every time, as a representative of one pitch at a time. Okay. All right, so this is okay. me. Right. This is the uh, week. Uh, uh, okay, continue. continue. Do, you, do you understand? Um, no. Continuing completed classics. Fulfilling failed franchises. Reinvigorating reviled rehashes. It's the follow-up. Hello and welcome all you uppers and downers to the follow-up showdown to Nerds in Quarantine, where we continue to give worthy second chapters to stories that don't have them. I am your first host, who has no business attempting what we're here for today, Paul Getz, and with me are my cohorts in said ludicrous task, Travis McMaster and Lauren Picorni. Howdy, y'all! Hi! Now, the aforementioned lunacy to which I refer is today. Today's mission to sequelize the 1991 feminist classic, Thelma and Louise. Now, in case there's anyone out there that doesn't realize why this is such an insane task to take on, I'm going to roll us right into A Minute with McMaster. A Minute with McMaster. Fuck. Okay. Travis, get out of the way or let like, me know when you're ready. Let's just, you know what? Let's just, let's just jump in. Let me just try this one. All right, and go. Uh, Thelma and Louise are both best friends impoverished in, I think, Texas or something. Arkansas, Arkansas because of the, the license plate. Um, Gina Davis is with a abusive husband, um, and uh, Susan Sarandon wants to go on a trip with her for the weekend, so. Gina Davis just leaves and leaves a note for her abusive husband, and he's not happy about it. And then they go uh, because it's Gina Davis's first time out. She wants to stop at a bar. She does. A man sexually assaults her. Uh, Susan Sarandon stops it with a gun that Gina Davis brought for protection. And right as they're about to get away, Susan Sarandon, in a moment of um, angry passion, shoots him dead. Then they're just on the run for basically the rest of the movie. They pick up Brad Pitt, a charming hitchhiker. Uh, they meet up with Susan Sarandon's abusive ex to get some money to flee to Mexico. All the while, police officer Harvey Keitel is hot on their trail. Brad Pitt steals their money. They rob a store to get more money. They end up uh, shooting a tanker truck full of oil and exploding it because a man was had it coming. Uh, and then the cops basically run them down. And rather than be taken into prison, they drive off a cliff to the only form of freedom they believe is left to them. Okay, you went about 
18 seconds over, but I, I needed you to finish the plot. I do have, I don't know, five or six notes. Oh, okay, um, so I had enough time for a new segment. Paul's <laughs> note. No, these are, this is not a new <laughs> segment. This That's is a usual. Most of my notes have to do with the term abusive, just for the sake of clarifying some things. Okay. One, Thelma's husband, played by Christopher McDonald, Daryl, is at the very least emotionally and verbally abusive. It, yeah. I, it's not said whether he's physically abusive, but he definitely cheats. I, we know those things, I guess. So it doesn't As, seem like he is physically abused. Yeah. It's just yeah. emotional, constant emotional and verbal abuse yeah. and controlling of her life and stuff. As for the sexual assault, I would, just to clarify that the man is about to rape her. I mean, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It's a, it, it is about to be a rape, so just to clarify yeah. that. Moving on to Louise's, I don't know, first of all, I don't know that he's an ex, I think he's her current boyfriend, and I don't know that he's abusive at all. I mean, I know he throws the table when he's got man anger, or whatever that is, but I don't know, I don't know that it's, it's said that he's abusive. Not I mean, if it's going in at that point, you, one can easily infer, and just by history, that he's abusive. Yeah, when I say abusive, I guess I don't necessarily mean physical abuse, because I yeah. maybe there's no evidence that he has done that. But, it like, first of all, lying to her about why that he's going to bring her money, and then he doesn't. Well, he does. Uh, he, he does, excuse me, yeah. he does. But he doesn't leave the envelope and leave her be. He shows up, tries to control propose. her, propose. Yeah. 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 Um, but he does, when she says she can't tell him, she can't, you know, tell him what's going on, he flips out, throws a bottle of booze against the wall, throws a table, starts yelling and screaming. She tries to leave, he slams the door closed, won't let her leave. Yeah. Etc. And then, and then immediately apologizes. I'm not saying, this is an interesting point mm -hmm. of conversation to get into, because that character in particular is close to a decent example of a man. I would say Harvey Keitel is the only good example of a man in the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, fully good. But Jimmy, well, I, I kind of feel like they want you to like Jimmy, for the most part. Well, that's almost definitely why they cast good guy Michael Madsen. Um, I don't He's think we're supposed pretty charming. to like... I don't think we're supposed to like any man in this movie. I think that's the point. I, I don't know that there's a lot to not like about Harvey Keitel. Because... It, it, his Hal, yes, his Hal, the cop who's on their tail, he's more of like a nurturing father figure. Yeah. So, yeah, like, uh, besides Harvey Keitel, like, all the men in the film are pretty awful. Okay, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not fully sold against Madsen overall. I think he's a more of a tragic figure. I understand. I'm going to fight you on this, Paul. Okay, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll get back to it. We'll, we'll, we'll get back into it. But the last note I had is just that it's not a cliff. It is a cliff, but it's the Grand Canyon. They drive into the Grand Canyon, and I think that's important. Oh, very Hank right? Hill uh, note, but... It's uh, oh. the ultimate cliffhanger, am I right? Because the movie ends on a cliffhanger. Sort of. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it's pretty apparent. Yeah, yeah. Thelma just opened with that same footage, but then we've inserted a shot of both of them jumping out and rolling to safety. That is sort of why uh, I wanted to do this, because it's such an impossible thing to do when both your lead characters die in such a iconic, amazing way at the end of the film. But I guess one of the few ways you can do that is they don't somehow. So we'll see. We'll see what yeah, what, I, what, I, what. I may have cheated. We'll, we'll see. Okay, that's interesting. All right, so getting getting into this movie, I freaking love it. Was this your first time, Paul? 
No, 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 not at all. No, I, I you know, saw it growing up. I watched it a couple of years ago, fairly recently, and I had intended then to show it to my girlfriend Kim for the first time. She fell asleep. However, I succeeded in showing it to her for the first time last night, and as I predicted, she loved it very much. Um, but it's a wonderful film, tragic, of course, but also very funny and very, very fun. And I feel like everybody, performance-wise, kills it in this movie. Yeah. Um, this time watching it, it it uh it hit pretty hard, and it's it's very, very good. But oh my god, so exhausting. Just no, I remember like the beats enough to be like, oh god, these <laughs> women just can't catch a damn break. The second it starts, I went, oh, that's right. This is just a movie where horrible things happen to two people I like. And then they die. Yeah. Spoilers. Well, it's interesting. Okay. Well, first of all, to address the spoilers of the Well, before I saw this movie, I knew that ending, or at least I knew that visual of the two yeah, best World. friends. Yeah, Wayne's World two specifically, but but I think it had been parodied in other things as well. I think it is like one of those things, like Luke, I am your father, where it's such an iconic thing in and of itself that it's kind of hard to see it with fresh eyes. Kim also knew about it. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. You know. yeah. But she had forgotten about it until they got to the Grand Canyon. And then was like, oh, yeah. Bummer. Yeah. I, well, I don't know why this isn't a fact that is just in my head. I was shocked to see the opening credit uh, directed by Ridley Scott. Me too. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay, so this is a good transition to get into the, to the behind the scenes of it all. The writer of this movie is a badass. Uh, her name's Callie Corey. This is her first screenplay. She won the Oscar for it for Best Original Screenplay. She also wrote Something to Talk About. She wrote and directed The Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, another feminist classic. I've never um, seen that. I've seen bits of it, but not all of it. She also created the television show Nashville. She oh. directed a made-for-TV movie called Patsy and Loretta about the friendship between Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn, famous country singers. Oh. And next year, she has a movie coming out that she wrote and directed a biopic about Aretha Franklin called Respect. Ooh. And I know that the some of the basis for Thelma and Louise was her friendship with a famous country singer, Pam Tillis. So she's got, I guess, a lot of music connections. And she just sounds awesome. Sounds like. Her original intention was to direct this movie as well on a low budget with sort of a documentary feel. But after shopping it around and finding no takers, she showed the script to her friend Mimi Polk Gitlin, who ran Ridley Scott's production company at the time, who showed it to Ridley Scott, and he expressed great enthusiasm for the project. I don't know if this is an ignorant thing to say, but it, I felt like it, sh it would have been less surprising if it was a Tony Scott movie. I felt like this would have been more in his... I think it would have been faster if it was a Tony Scott <laughs> movie, which I think the pacing of this movie is pretty great. I I like the more laid back pace. Oh, yeah, this movie is uh, nearly perfect. Almost no good. notes. Yeah, no notes yeah. for Ridley. <laughs> Almost no. Almost no. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. This one shot I would have helped in a wide shot instead of pushing in, but <laughs> which shot? <laughs> the shot where they're all watching TV. The cops are all watching TV, and uh, the the. What's his fuck changes the channel? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They all turn and look at him, and he sheepishly changes it back. <clears throat> I just, I felt like that moment would have played a little bit better if we had just stayed wide and seen all the cops turn and look at him. Oh, I like how that played. Yeah. I thought it was, it was a, I'm gonna, a brief I'm gonna moment of disagree with you on that one, too. 
I'm going to be the first to admit Ridley Scott probably did it right. Well, I have no notes about Christopher McDonald's performance as Daryl at all. He's phenomenal, like everybody else is. But in particular, that moment, his facial expression really, really sells me. Because there are other times when it's like what I like about him is how goofy he is. But in that moment, he's selling a very, like, human, like... I had that same exact thought. I said, Chris McDonald is riding the line between terrifying and goofy funny like a daredevil. Yeah. I would like to give him an award for it. I think, as you said, everyone does amazing, but he is... He's just a bee's knees, that guy. I'm about to jump into the actor's facts, but a very fun fact about him. He was Gina Davis's fiancé. She left him for Jeff Goldblum. Upon meeting yeah. Jeff Goldblum on the set of Transylvania 6 3000. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> I mean, she did eventually marry, marry Jeff Goldblum, so I understand his sexiness, blah, 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 but it, it also yeah, was love. Yeah. You know, so. It's it not even not against Chris. It's not a knock against Chris. It's yeah. just, we've. We know we know about Jeff. Gold. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, she recommended Christopher McDonald for Daryl. And, uh, you know, she was game to have him on board, and he was game to do it, and he said, uh, you know, he, it's a hateable character, but to some extent it was a little bit cathartic for him to get permission oh, to be, like, oh. mean to her <laughs> on set. Oh, okay. Yeah. Chris. Oh. Yeah. So others, actors' notes I have on this movie, uh, the writer, Kelly Corey, when she wrote the script, her dream casting for Thelma and Louise were Holly Hunter and Frances McDormand. Um, yeah. I mean powerhouses would have been great in a completely different way. Mm. Um, however, the first women cast in these roles were Michelle Pfeiffer and Jodie Foster. Um, mm. yeah. they, None of these are bad options. No, <laughs> they were chosen for the leads and they accepted the roles, but pre-production took too long and they both had to drop out due to other commitments. Mm. Jodie Foster's mm. being Silence of the Lambs, which yeah. that year at the Oscars won Every major award, including Best Adapted Screenplay. And so the, that's the only reason it didn't win over this for Best Original Screenplay. And Jodie Foster won over both Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis. However, they were the fifth time ever and the most recent time that two women from the same movie were up for Best Actress. Uh, oh, nice. most recent time. Yeah, and as of 2020. So long ago. Yeah, 1991. Paul, would I be mistaken, was the project Michelle Pfeiffer moved on to Batman Returns? Uh, yes, it was. Uh, That's great. Win-win-win-win, right? It's like everyone made good decisions. It, it would have been great to have any of those actresses, but um, Gina and yeah. Susan are equally as great. They're just phenomenal. Yeah. And Last note on yeah. this on this train. After Michelle and Jody had to drop out, it was first offered to Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn who were, as a pair, actively looking for a movie to do together. They turned it down and opted to do Death Becomes Her instead. Oh, well, again, yeah. another win. Wow. They would have yeah. been amazing. Wow. I actually, like, well, I'll, I'll wait. Oh. No, go ahead. What, I'll what wait are, for my Oh, I see. I see. No, I, okay. I, 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 I'm kind of going to steal from this amazing batch as well in my pitch, which we'll, we'll get to later. But, yes, this is it's win, 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 win all around. Everybody did awesome things instead of and. It sounds like this movie was kind of like, I don't know. Cosmically like, important. Cos- like the universe like was like, yeah, like created this movie to like send out ripples in every direction to get everyone where they needed to be. Well, and it doesn't end there. There's one more aspect of it, and that's JD. So 
It was originally offered to, it was originally cast as Billy Baldwin instead of Brad Pitt. In an interesting twist of fate, Brad Pitt lost out on the role in Thelma and Louise to Billy Baldwin, then lost out on the role of Brian McCaffrey in Backdraft to Billy Baldwin. But Billy Baldwin had to drop out of Thelma and Louise to do Backdraft, so Brad Pitt got put into Thelma and Louise. Wow. Yeah, this movie. God is, wanted this movie to exist. This movie is like a fixed point in history. <laughs> and, and it was there's two there's still I'm still on JD. There's two more great things about JD. Gina Davis was the one who ultimately chose Brad Pitt because yeah. she found herself so flummoxed around his good looks. We know why. Yes, Ridley Scott had intended for to use body doubles for the sex scene. Gina Davis insisted. That they not. Uh, the two of them dated after this movie for a while. And George Clooney was also, it was like, it came down to Billy Baldwin, Brad Pitt, and George Clooney as the finalists for this role. George Clooney auditioned five times, ultimately lost out. And then apparently years later, ran into Gina Davis on a, on a flight and was like, Hey, remember when I auditioned for Thelma and Louise? And she said no. <laughs> she didn't. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Why did um? I, I imagine Ridley Scott wanted to use body devils for the sake of scheduling and getting stuff done. I mean, yeah, quickly. And I can't imagine any other reason. I mean, maybe because there's two not- bodies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah. I don't think it was a rejection of the bodies. That's something they do more for, like, it's comfort level type of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so hard to picture Clooney instead of Pitt here. It's such a different vibe. He would be, like, I don't know, he'd be more reminiscent of, like, a beat poet. I doubt he would have been shirtless, for for one. (laughs) You hear that, Clooney? Paul's coming for you. Have you ever seen him shirtless? Uh, Right. I mean, I don't think he's uh, no. ashamed. I think he's more of like a Cary Grant or Sinatra type of man where it's yeah. like he's sexy without having needing the chisel. But, I J.D., the chisel helps. That's all I'm saying. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lauren was just saying, like, I really don't think that she was having a little bit of, of trouble believing that, like, Gina Davis, that character would, like, invite the hitchhiker into the car and say, like, let's give him a ride. And I just kept obnoxiously going, like, no, 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 it's not a hitchhiker. It's 1991 Brad Pitt. Mm, right. 1991 well, Brad Pitt gets to go in the car. Is, uh, particularly, like, naive, you know, and has yeah. never had any fun in her life. Yeah. I was just projecting because I can't imagine the amount of debilitating stress yeah. they'd be feeling. I mean, that situation, I would just, like, I, I probably wouldn't even see him. I'd be like, oh, no. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That's true. Plus, right. she had almost... I mean, at that point, she's not so much in trouble, but she had almost been raped. Right. So yeah. that that might have factored in. Yeah. It is young Brad Pitt, though. I guess that's that's what you're, that's what you're selling on, is look at this guy. Yeah. Jumping back to Travis's comment about this being a near-perfect film, Roger Ebert Highly praised the film, but withheld a perfect score on the basis of the last shot being a freeze frame that fades to white. He said, it's done so with unseemly haste, and it's unsettling to get involved in a movie that takes 120 minutes to bring you to a payoff that the filmmakers seem to fear. Hmm, I do know that there is an alternate take 
of the ending in which you watch the car fall all the way down. I think I prefer the freeze frame because it's sort of almost like Butch and Sundance ending, like solidifies it as legend. What I like about the freeze frame is it feels like that's the last moment where they're still Mm -hmm. going. Also, after such a traumatizing, distressful movie, it feels like actually watching them like explode, you know, car. I don't know that it would have gone all the way into the explosion, but yeah, even just watching them fall down is is a downer. I mean, it's not a happy ending regardless, but it is, there's a bright note to it. It's a little like, yeah, almost. To some extent, and I think the freeze frame helps with that. However, I will say I could have done without the immediate fade to white. That's what I like, fade to white. Interesting. So we have a a full circle here of of opinions. Because Kim said she would have preferred them falling all the way down. So we're all over the place. Sounds like him. Related to that ending, the last thing I have here is that at one point during production, Ridley Scott considered changing the ending to having Thelma survive after being pushed out of the car by Louise right before she drives off the cliff. I hate that so much for so (laughs) many reasons. I mean, of course, they didn't do it. So it's like, clearly, I'm not the only one. But it doesn't make any sense, first of all. But secondly, it makes even less sense than the reverse of like Thelma pushing Louise out of the car because it's Thelma's idea. And mm-hmm. Thelma seems like the worst of the two to be left alone against the barrage of police in that situation. She'd still like jail. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I feel like what she would do if that happened is literally run and jump off, off the cliff. <laughs> yeah. And then Ridley goes, all right, all right. It was just an idea. <laughs> Apparently he used a lot of actors ideas for this movie. The, cop that they put in the trunk he improvised the crying which is great and it sets that scene apart um, yeah in in such a really cool and believable way it's still kind of funny i think it enhances the scene because of how much of a dick he's being yeah and then the second the shoe's on the other foot he's just all the way all the yeah agreed Uh yeah he's being super authoritative and then i i love that ridley left him in the trunk too yeah Yeah. oh man that scene with the cyclist is so great where it ends and everything like it's easy to assume that he he died, right? I mean, he's in the middle of the desert in a in a metal car. <sighs> I really hot I mean, I, there. but they left him the air holes. I don't know. I mean, I just don't. I don't want him to die. He has a wife and kids. Well, here's the thing: if you're a police officer and you don't know how to get out of your own trunk, dot dot dot, without a gun or keys, take it as I you mean, will. What's he gonna do? Hey, well, whatever, Paul. Don't edit this so it sounds like I'm saying Cooterville <laughs> sucks. <laughs> Uh, that's where the bad guy lived, I thought. Oh. In Scooby-Doo. It's in, like, Sco- oh, it's a oh. Scooby-Doo movie. Okay. One or two. Okay. I was going to say, just- Harlan the Rapist? <laughs> Who are you talking about? <laughs> he would live in yeah. Cooterville. Oh, he would love it. <laughs> just because we're on Cooterville. Let's do Unsung Heroes early. Hit it, Paul Jr. Unsung Heroes! Sweet. Well, are we all just going to pick the same guy? I feel like we're all well. Okay, Lauren and I tripped over each other as soon as he showed up, just like sort of clambering to like to to claim him. But it was the uh, the big beefy weightlifter guy at the. I definitely have him down as an unsung hero for sure because there's no taking your eyes off. Yeah, and he's like wearing, (laughs) and he's not no, and he's wearing silver. I can't make it make sense. Like, that man exists for sure, but, like, on Venice Beach over by us, yeah. not yeah. in the middle of wherever they are at this old ghost oh, town. They're, they're shooting in California. 
I mean, it, it, it happens right after a crazy, already a crazy scene where she drives backwards really fast for no reason. And it's like, oh, I understand that that's to establish that she can really drive, which we need to know later. But it is a moment of like, whoa, what the fuck? What the hell? What, what, what are you doing, Louise? She's so mad at yeah. Thelma. And she can't get mad at Thelma because Thelma's like a little precious baby and she has to take care of her. But she, like, even before she gets in, she just goes, Thelma. Yeah. And then just races backwards because she can't, can't yell at Gina. Yeah, no, for sure. There's a lot of that in the movie, which is which is nice. I mean, they're each other's rock. Yeah. In it together with each other more than anybody else. Everybody else is against them to some extent. So it's like, which, speaking of which, Harvey Keitel running after them when Ooh. they drive off into the Grand Canyon, I do kind of make use of it in my pitch. But at the same time, it's so, they've never seen him or met him. I know they've talked to him on the phone and stuff. But, like, to some extent, I wanted there to be a comedic beat of them seeing him in the rearview mirror and being like, who's he? Who's that guy? Yeah. One of them chasing us. <laughs> who's this asshole? But it's just so silly. Or do you want, like, the reverse? Maybe we get a close-up of Harvey un- unsuccessfully shouting over the roar of, of everything, just going, it's me! It's me from the phone! Wait, he doesn't have a southern accent. No. I've seen this movie several times, and every single time I'm expecting him to grab the police radio and try to speak to them in that moment. I always forget he mm-hmm. doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then he just runs after mm-hmm. them. Also, you could, you can edit that a couple different ways. You can make it so that like he runs and because of him running out, oh, they yeah. take off. He's, yeah. But they, they cut it so that they both go at the same time. Which yeah. Like. I like, and that they mm-hmm. remain in it together. Um, okay. So then my other unsung heroes that I have written down, the pawn shop guy, that she gives her jewelry to in exchange for his hat. That's he does. He brings weight to that moment just by having a notable look. Like through the Civil yeah, War. Yeah, exactly. Weathered. Adds a lot. Um, and then it's just because I gotta talk about this guy. The trucker whose tanker they blow up. Woo! That character, it's like the first time they see him, it's to some extent believable. Because he just kind of flicks his tongue. And the next time they sure. see him, he yells at them. Whatever, blah, blah. Then, which is like, okay, he saw them twice. He's taken a little further. This guy's weird. The third time they drive by him and he just goes insane with his, Hey, ladies, you want a big... Like, then it's like, okay, this guy's a crazy person. I don't know if he's okay. crazy. I think men Arguably are just- at that point, he's not crazy. It is a little bit like, has this ever worked? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but then they lead him somewhere, so I guess it has worked. I don't think it's worked. I think he just... He's just, he's just an finally worked. He's stuck with it. Paid but, off. Finally. You only need one yes. But then they get there. <clears throat> he goes up to him. They set him to task. Then he refuses yeah. to apologize. And he starts getting all like, bitch, bitch. Like, you know, it's like he's a robot who's <laughs> short-circuiting. <laughs> and then then they blow up his truck, and he, and he just falls to yeah. the ground and continues to go, You bitch! Mm-hmm. And then, the next time you see him, he's still running around, yelling at the helicopter. <laughs> going, you copter! I'm gonna get you! Like, he... he it takes a while, but it definitely escalates to the point of, oh, man, this guy is nuts. 
didn't read as crazy to me. He read as just uh, a, a very met, aggressive. I mean, I know you're from Florida. Have you met people like I that? I didn't play the Florida well, card again, but I don't. Wouldn't say I've met. I, I've never like. I feel like I have in Arkansas. I I feel like I've seen those type of people. <laughs> guys, yeah, just go insane. What are those people's lives like? I mean, because I think that they imply that he's married because he takes off his ring before he goes out to talk to him. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. just mm. can't imagine. There, there, there are <laughs> out there. There are dozens of them. <laughs> uh, Unfortunately, it's probably um, hundreds I, to thousands. I keep, I, wanna, I keep forgetting to point it out. I just wanted to observe that as these men um, interact with them, they affect them and they start touching, kind of like poisoning them. You know, they, they take their clothes. They, they stop dressing like they were at the beginning of the movie and they start dressing more, I guess, masculinely. Oh. Um, Susan Sarandon's hat that she buys looks a lot like Brad Pitt's hat. Um, Gina Davis takes the trucker's hat. Susan Sarandon swaps sunglasses with the cop. Every time they deal with one of these men, they get affected. They yeah. get changed. It's sort of like a um, a falling down Although turn, I, I, if anyone's seen. Yeah, I, I, I see what picture. you're saying. They feel no need to be uh, ladylike or representative of what society asks them to be. They're just, uh, they're free. But I mean, like Phil and Louise are—they I mean, are what? at least giving that crazy trucker man a chance to apologize. Yes, uh, the falling down turn was more just the 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 kind of like turn from hero to villain that the protagonist doesn't realize. Obviously, Thelma and Louise have much more valid reasons for the things they're doing than Michael Douglas's characters. I love where things end for Daryl. Where, I mean, you know, part of it is that he's this type of man who has so much pride and so he's humiliated. But at the same time, it's like the last time you see him is him listening to where things are at with Thelma and how dangerous they've become. And he's surrounded by bottles and he's just destroyed. It is entirely mm -hmm. possible that he will change or, or at least, you know, be severely affected for a while in a way that a man like that probably never expected to be. I guess I was I'd read that moment. Uh, less hopefully than you had. I'd read it as sort of like further evidence of... So I guess I didn't read it so much as a moment of like self-reflection as a moment of like just further, like another piece of crack I mean, I don't... Well, I, first, I mean, I don't know that I would call it a full-on moment of self-reflection. I don't know that he realizes what it is. I think he's just floating alone on a life raft in the middle of the ocean, devoid of hope, devoid of... It's good to see the bad guy get its, his comeuppance, but it's good to see it in a human moment. So like the last time you see him isn't just him yelling at Brad Pitt. It's him alone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, yeah. his character, I guess, but you do get like a punctuation mark yeah. at the end of his his journey. Right, they don't, yeah. they didn't need to do that, but I liked that they did. Anyway, okay, so moving on into our pitches. I feel well, this uh, is so obvious that why should I even ask, but should this movie have a sequel? No. Uh, I should have said it with you guys. Of course, no. <laughs> um, not only have we said no, the actors have said no, the filmmakers have said no, and I can't even believe they've been asked as many times as it seems like they have. Horrible, horrible idea. Yeah. So let's do it. I'm, I'd like to go first, just because I do feel like I cheated okay. a little. I'm interested. I am very interested in what you mean by that, but at the same time, I do also have to ask: sequel or prequel? If you're gonna do it, what's the best avenue? I'd say tr try a yeah. try a sequel. I don't think a prequel would 
be particularly interesting, really. I mean, you could, if you, <clears throat> you could do an interesting prequel, but you would, I don't know, like, you could show them meeting, or you could show their life before, and what, what led up to it. I don't know what kind of plot or character arc you, you could know, give to them that's not... For God. the sake of, yeah. you know, just having a love for the movie and for the characters... I don't hate the idea of watching the, them be buds beforehand, you know, see what their friendship, how they met, where the friendship, yeah. went, like you said. And also just right. as an interesting character study <clears throat> thing to see if there was any kindness or connection between Daryl and Thelma at some point, And when was it? And what did it look like? I was shaking my head to what you were say saying, and then I started thinking about it, and then I got, honestly, I got distracted with um, a thought I had about the Han Solo movie. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think there would be, I think Thelma, unfortunately, is just the type of woman who attracts and chooses the Well, I guess men. you do get that yeah. moment where Daryl is talking to Stephen Toblowski and... Stephen Tobolowsky says, say that you love her and that you miss her. Women love that shit or whatever. And then he turns to Hal and says, women love that shit and laughs. So, like, he is the type of guy who's clearly, like, always gotten by on being abusive. And he, to some extent, believes that that's what a woman's looking for. Right. So, I guess you're right. It's possible that just his being attracted to her and choosing her, maybe there was a moment where he tried to be charming. Uh, I think you're right. Actually, I, I take back what I said. I think those kinds of people usually start out very yeah. charming and alluring um, because they know they know that's what works, and then the, the changes come. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose the reason I wasn't just like being a Star Wars nerd. The reason I was thinking about the Han Solo movie is that everyone's big gripe with that was that Han Solo's character arc happens in Star Wars. What are you going to mm. do with him in Solo? Uh, and the answer was just make a really yeah. fun, cool movie that I like. So you could do that with Thelma and Louise, except instead of space monsters, it's like domestic mm. abuse and alcoholism. <laughs> so it's less fun. But probably is it cool? You have to sort of set up for where it's going. So yeah, so. I think you could. There, there's a lot to explore there. I just think yeah, with knowing what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the ending would have to be them meeting just for this. Like maybe the movie is about how lost they are without each other. And then the surge of hope they get is Thelma and Louise finding each other. Okay, so then, yeah, let's let's get into the pitches. I've put it off long enough. And Lauren, we've prefaced, you cheated. Can't wait to see it. You said Jimmy was going to get out of town and for once just really let our hair down. Well, darling, look out, because my hair is coming down. So I cheated in the sense that I was pretty overwhelmed by how much they yeah. nailed this movie. Mm -hmm. This is like an impossible yeah. task. This, right. You're yeah. backed into such a corner with this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so because it is, it, they nailed it so much, I decided to go with Ooh, a reboot. interesting. Okay. My pitch is kind of short because I do want it to be roughly the same. Um, I, I'm changed some minor things like Thelma and Louise work at a restaurant together mm. and they're both single. So uh, it still picks, takes place in the Midwest slash Southwest. Uh, events play out roughly the same, except for modern technology affects, uh, how much, how, how they, how this would all go down. Like, um, they have a close call, almost getting caught by the police because their cell phones, mm. they have to ditch them. Um, they try to take up money at ATM, their accounts are frozen, and that pings the feds as to where they're at, so they have to, you know, hightail quickly. Um, 
they have to switch cars. They don't just get the same car. They have to like ditch it, hide it, steal a new one. Anyway, um, where I was hoping to like make up for my perhaps cheatiness is by. Okay, yes, I can't wait for this. Okay, for Thelma. Tessa Thompson. Killer. Oh, for Thelma. Interesting. Yeah. I immediately pictured her as Louise. That's right. But okay, interesting. I more went with this because of the the age of the actresses. Because um, for Louise, I went with Zoe Saldana, yeah. Yeah, who yeah, is yeah, yeah. a little older. They would and a little more be cool and stoic. Together. It would be um, a new exploration, you know, like it would like new issues would arise. Um, you wouldn't necessarily have to call it a reboot. It could be a spiritual sequel, you know, like if they're not named Thelma and Louise, it's technically a different story. They could like <clears throat> know about. That story. Remember twenty years ago when those two ladies oh, That's true. Et cetera? But yeah, I mean I, I did I did plan on I did plan my casting and stuff around okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. the same yeah. story, the same beats. Anyway, for Detective Hal, um oh, I sick. have Oscar yeah, Isaac. Right. Yeah, killer. You would nail it. <laughs> J D I, I, uh, I, I struggled with. Um, but I landed on, and I quite happily... Zach Efron. Ooh, all right. Um, so that's what I got. I know it's kind of cheating. Um, I was very intimidated. Um, no, I mean, that sounds oh like a movie I would yeah. be stoked to go see. Yeah, it would just be called Thelma and Louise 2020. Or yeah, just Thelma and Louise. <laughs> I feel like one thing that would need to change just for the sake of not repeating it because it's such a specific thing in the first one is... And and because of technology and how much more difficult it would be for them to be on the run at all, I feel like you couldn't have yeah. that plot point that Louise doesn't want to drive through Texas. Because it's so frustrating in and, in and of itself in the original, even though it makes sense and is related to an important plot yeah. point, but it's like something like that would just be so impossible to navigate in a modern thing, I think. Right. And that that I could I could live with that like maybe like she maybe she they try to do it but finally Thelma's just like come on man let's just do it and she's like fine but she's like yeah. really upset the whole time and maybe she finally tells her okay so you want to go or shall I sure you want to you want to finish this like off finish off okay so my pitch you know what happens Bam gets turned way up and the next thing you know these girls are going to get shot is sort of told in three acts. Loosely in three acts. I, I originally toyed with it being like a Pulp Fiction of like multiple stories, but it's the same story just sort of broken up and technically from different perspectives, but I do want to jump around. I don't want to like be locked into the perspectives necessarily. I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. So the first part is told mostly from the perspective of Daryl, who attempts to host a proper wake for Thelma, not Louise, but his plans are foiled when Jimmy arrives beforehand and ensures that Louise is properly represented as well. Because this isn't just, uh, it, it, has, it has sort of grown into something beyond their own lives and friend groups. It, has turned, it turns out to be a largely attended event with the story of Thelma and Louise having been made famous by a New York Times article that did not portray Daryl in a flattering light. So he's sort of, he's hosting this wake for his dead wife, but he's, everybody hates him there. Hal attends and introduces Daryl to his three daughters, the youngest of whom is a baby played by Kim Seltzer as a baby, because timeline-wise that she would have been a baby, and I promised I'd put her in it. 
<laughs> uh, and I also just love the idea of him having daughters because it really, I think, adds to where he's coming from. The two men mm-hmm. have a, uh, Hal and Daryl have a brief heart to heart in which Hal reveals that he has quit the force and Daryl sort of breaks down in an out of character fashion asking Hal if he believes and maybe an accusatory Daryl type of way if Hal believes this is all his fault as a response to how everyone's treating him at the wake. Hal responds, it's a lot of people's fault. While at the wake, Hal pulls the Polaroid of Thelma and Louise, which he found at the Grand Canyon after it flew out of the car. Uh, He pulls it out of his inside jacket pocket and sticks it in amongst the pictures of them that are on display. A mysterious woman, Holly Hunter, who seems unsettlingly distraught, also attends. Nobody knows who she is. Hal notices her and asks if she knew either of the women. She replies, didn't we all? So that's our act one. Act two, primarily from Hal's perspective. A few years later, Hal is at his own book signing. He has written a best-selling memoir about the whole incident called A Career-Ending Case. And I definitely want it to be understood that he quit because of his frustration of how things went down, not that he was fired or anything like that. When the signing is over, over, uh, Hal is confronted by Daryl, who is upset about the way he's portrayed in the book as he was in the article. Hal references that the names have been changed, and I thought, because there's so many wonderfully funny moments in Thelma and Louise, it could be something like, Errol? You called him Errol or something like that. <laughs> But how Daryl argues that everybody, either way, everybody knows that it's about, everybody knows what's it about since it ends with two women driving off into the Grand Canyon. The reason he is so upset now is that he is about to get married again, and he doesn't want his new bride catching wind of this. Hal argues that Daryl should be honest with her if he's going to marry her, to which Daryl says, I will, I will, believe me, I want to do it right this time, but I don't want to scare her off before I get the chance. Hell, we only known each other nine days, but I really fell for this girl. Conversation ends with Hal saying that he doesn't know what he can do to help, but he's happy for Daryl. Soon after, Hal reads in the paper that Daryl is dead by way of an apparent suicide. However, when he sees the photo of Daryl's widow, who is named Loretta St. John, it turns out to be Holly Hunter, the woman from the wake. He gets a suspicious inclination. Well, Within a, a few like weeks... That. J.D. turns up dead in a different part of the country, and Hal's suspicion grows. He goes to the police, specifically a lead detective named Alice, played by Francis McDormand, stealing once again, but killing it, uh, and shares his theory that this woman is using his book to track down the people responsible for Thelma and Louise's fate and bring them to justice. She is disinclined (laughs) to believe him until... FBI agent Max, Stephen Toblowski, winds up dead as well. Another Mm. humorous little moment. I want Alice to say, how did she get to a cop? And Hal to say, he didn't get a lot of dates. Turns out out Loretta was just an alias. And the woman they're chasing is a private investigator herself with a history of violent incidents on her record, whom they discovered was also raped in her past. The pair of them, now working together, seek out Jimmy to sort of offer him protection because they think he might be on the list of people that this that she's after. But Jimmy insists he doesn't need the protection because he's not in any way to blame for what happened. 
And he says, you want someone to blame, why don't you track down that piece of shit that raped Louise in Texas? So that's our act two. Act three, primarily from Loretta's perspective, as she tracks down Louise's rapist, Mm. a man named Clem, who I have as played by Clancy Brown, uh, who appears to have undergone some form of repentance as he now volunteers as a home builder for underprivileged communities, very active in like doing kind things. He also has a family. This doesn't appear to deter Loretta Mm. and her plan, who moves ahead, befriending him. She eventually casually mentions Louise in some offhanded way to sort of see where his reaction is. And this causes him to spiral. He blows up at her, he storms off, and he goes, starts drinking heavily. So she tries to get the drop on him, but ends up in danger of the man herself. Like he stops her and is, you don't know what he's going to do to her until Hal and Alice show up to save the day. When they're arresting Clem, Loretta flees, Hal chases her down and winds up with a gun pointed at him. He offers himself as like a sacrifice, stating that he deserves to die for his own cowardice. He says the tragedy of Thelma and Louise was not his story to tell. And while he thought putting it out there would bring him some peace, what he should have done was stay with the force and keep doing his goddamn best to keep other women safe from suffering a fate like theirs. Pretty good, I tell. Oh, it's all right. You know, I, I tried a little bit. She ultimately lets him go. That's good. Running off into the night, but is caught by Alice pretty quickly. Sometime later, Hal and Alice, now partners, Hal's back on the force, visit Loretta in a women's prison where she appears to be thriving. And on their way out, after visiting her, Alice asks Hal, do you think you'll write another book about all this? To which he replies, no, I don't suppose I will. And then that's the end. They drive off. And I call this because it's split. I have a title for each act. And so I sort of want this to have two titles. Probably the primary title would be called The Wake, uh, which is also the name of Act One, which is a literal wake, but it's all for the wake of everything left behind by Thelma and Louise, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Act Two would be called The Wedding, and Act Three would be called The Widow. So mm-hmm. potentially The Wake, The Wedding, and The Widow. Yeah. Oh, cool. I, I really like that. That's well, interesting. Yeah. I like, yeah. <laughs> um, everyone's <laughs> looking at me. I, I, don't, I just, I liked it. It was good. <clears throat> I like you started to say something, me. and then you said, "Shut up!" <laughs> I know I did. I started to say something, and then I realized I was just going to start listing things that you had just said. You know, I like that, but that's not <laughs> okay, you know. Just good. rewind it the podcast. Yeah. Nice. It was liked. Um, so my pitch is uh, I would categorize as surprisingly huh. restrained. Hey, how you doing, little housewife? Y'all packed? We're out of here tonight. This is gonna. This would be one that'd come out like I don't know, a couple years later, ninety three, ninety four. I apologize. I I didn't think of a title. So right now, Thelma and Louise two. Uh, if I had my druthers, I'd watch the first movie again and pick out a a line that maybe something that one of them said to Harvey Keitel or something that he would that would that would work. I don't know because he is in this. Um. So the movie opens with. The car <laughs> on the other side. Landing the on the other Canyon. side. <laughs> I would never. No, yeah. um, sadly, they are they are very dead. Uh, I'm just going to read what I wrote. I think I wrote it pretty good. Uh, after Thelma and Louise's spree and suicide, their story becomes national news, then a national legend. Here I'm kind of totally. Funny and Clyde. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, women everywhere follow in their footsteps, for better or for worse, ranging from organizing women's groups to also murdering their abusive partners. It's a full-on movement. Overwhelmed with guilt, anger, and sadness, Harvey Keitel decides to help one young woman bending, then breaking the law to do it. He ultimately leaves the force to do actual good for his community with a woman's shelter. Now, though, that's just the overall, like, logline. The actual woman in play here, who I didn't think to give a character name to for some reason. uh, So it's just Selma Hayek. Selma Selma and and Ruiz. (laughs) I didn't know what you meant. I hope that's the name. And she's just going by her first name in the movie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I did want to... I, I wanted to keep her alone this time since we've already seen a duo. A duo. I thought it might be interesting to, unfortunately, kind of Sarah Connor her without the Kyle Reese of Summer. Um, and I also wanted to include that her Please. brother is also someone she's running from because there are cases. Of course, there are cases where, like, even you know, these women are are harassed by their family. They can't mm-hmm. go to their family. Right. Um, and then obviously, there's going to be a racial mm-hmm. element that Thelma and Louise mm-hmm. didn't have to deal with because they're white. So. There was that wrinkle they didn't have, whereas someone like Selma Hayek is also going to have to deal with racism. And so I wanted to put her in Florida as far away as possible from Harvey Keitel so that we could have her um, journey be longer. Because at this point, Harvey, she she having seen the news and stuff and seen all of this, is reaching out to him personally for help. And so since he is trying to help her and she wants his help, Mm. the obstacle becomes the distance between them. Uh, and then we just basically we're going to watch Selma go from Florida to Harvey Keitel. Um, and in this case, I wanted there to be a happy ending. She does get away from her husband and brother. She I don't know if she necessarily like opens the women's shelter with him. Like she does have her own journey after she goes on to do whatever. And then we see Harvey quit the force to actually do good. And like I said, in the women's shelter, my casting for the husband and brother are mm-hmm. husband's going to be Lou Diamond Phillips. Sure. Uh, he's got that, uh, yeah, that pinnacle awesome intensity. Lou Diamond. For the brother, I wanted there to be like him still be the antagonist, but there be, you want a, an amount of likability and understandability. Oh, sure. yeah. So that's yeah. going to be Jimmy I was, Smith. I feel like we've seen, at least seen Jimmy Smith's, of course, mm-hmm. we've all seen Jimmy Smith be delightful. Intense. But we've also seen him be. For sure. Yeah. Go to this the enough, that intensity. Yeah. So if you want, like scary. Like Lou Diamond Phillips, he can definitely be intense and intimidating, sure. especially to that's great. You know, ninety Selma Hayek. I like it. I like it. If you guys want, we can do the voting, but I have this fun little game. Well, let's see if we end up with a tie, and then if the tie oh, okay. happens, we can move okay. the car. So yeah, just our tiebreaker for this time. I have a Luigi and a Donkey Kong Mario Kart for toys. So they would be our all is up. DK and Luigi, or Thelma and Louise, uh, which I will send careening off the cliff that is my desk, and uh, whichever time they fall furthest, choose the winner. So. Cool. All we'll right, so we're starting with Thelma and Louise 2020. So, yeah, we've got a twofer. Okay. Yeah, but who the hell that. wouldn't want to I see that movie? Like, like, okay, I think no, that, that of anything that. that was pitched today, it's like that one could happen. Still, and it would be exciting. Cheated or not, true. true. It's there. Okay. It is. All right. You know. Okay. Uh, Lord did earlier try to pitch. I, I just rewriting I, the I, end of Thelma and Louise. No, not not the end. I I, I oh, so man. desperately wanted. I so desperately wanted these women to have a happy ending. 
that I contemplated rewriting a story where they actually oh, make it to Alternate the cabin. reality. Because what, what happens, yeah. what, they don't stop. If they don't stop, oh, they make it to the cabin. They have a nice weekend. Uh, they may be re I mean, rewriting. Uh, I don't know. Almost I was, all of them. I was uh, <laughs> at that point. Yeah. But, but at the same time, it's like, I yeah, well, I only because I like Thelma and Louise would I be interested in seeing them enjoy a fishing weekend and be like, Louise, I don't know how to do this. Huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would like See, that as a DVD. Well, obviously, I would want to watch feature, Gina Davis. Is that it's like, brain. hey, let's shoot the short film where it all worked out. Yeah. Uh, but I would, to some extent, because of the nature of this yeah episode i was kind of hoping that there would be some bananas thing like they jump out with parachutes or uh, you know something or or you know i wondered if anyone would do an afterlife thing but it's like i feel like that's been done on this podcast several times already so it's like maybe maybe we're trying not to tread that ground I did seriously toy with trying to figure out if there was something to do with the car not falling as far as we assume. it's just them in prison. Um, if it sort of like landed on a yeah, but then I'm like, well, and then what? They're either in a hospital. I guess it could or, be their. Are they like hobbled, They're like limping along the could floor of the Grand Canyon. Yeah, yeah. Then, then maybe you Harvey Keitel swayed the jury, or, or, or a cool lawyer character somehow, played by somebody cool like sways the that Harvey Keitel. Said, I do appreciate the helplessness of the situation as a mm -hmm. means of like holding a mirror up to society yeah. because I mean, they're right. Yeah. Like so many women, so many women are like, they either yeah. don't, their, their rapist either gets off because they're not believed or they don't say anything because they know they won't be believed or they think they'll be believed. So uh, I appreciate the gravity. I'm always all for, um, seeing like a woman go on a ram, a, a righteous rampage or like a, yeah. uh, um, a revenge cool. rampage. All right. Well, uh, with my confidence you know. boosted a little bit more, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, tally our votes for the wake, aka <laughs> the wake, the wedding, and the widow. Oh, <laughs> zero <laughs> votes. Devastated. Just kidding. Okay. So we have a tie already. So we're gonna do the car thing. No, but, yeah, um, right. Let's vote for Salma and Luis. That's not what it's called. <laughs> Two votes. All right. So three way tie. So. <laughs> Mario Kart. Right, okay, so trying to get it by the mic so you can hear it roll. <clears throat> okay, DK and Luigi for Thelma and Louise. Funny we'll funny. I like Luigi. Thelma and Louise. Donkey and Louise. <laughs> From neighbors. I just, okay. I just that's that. it. Pretty well. Went pretty far. Great radio. All right, so this is okay. me. Right. This is the uh, wake. Uh, uh, okay, continue. continue. Do, do you understand? Um, no. And I'm not going to put any mustard on it, I promise. Yeah. Okay, okay so yours is winning. Whoever car goes farthest. Whoever car goes farthest wins. Yeah. Only reason that there are two how is I, because yes. there were two women. I'm working with what I have. That I was what, how that became. Yes. Okay. All right. You're doing fine. Uh, I just need to because there's no better title than Selma and Luis for it. Um, because Travis is taking a nap. Um, There's uh, almost Selma no way and Luis. No. <laughs> okay. Lauren wins. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for your cooperation. Now stay down on the floor till I'm gone. Have a good day. Killing it this Moy season. Wins. Which stands to reason fate said reboot. Mm, mm -hmm. That's true. 
That's true. Yeah, mm. That's yeah. great. That's a good mm. point. We don't need a sequel anyway. Let's do a reboot. The, the universe wants. So do Krista I. Thompson so does everyone. I mean, well, maybe not everyone. Not some. Not, not idiots, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but the rest of us. <laughs> yes, the sane population. If, if you- Follow-up showdown. The movie we are focusing on today is 2008's Lost Boys, The Tribe. We have a guest, Judge Brooks Hall. I'm a huge Lost Boys fan. You know, the lights are out, we're watching, and I'm 12, and I hear motorcycles down my street, and I literally ruin my underwear.